Jesus. He's faithful and he's true to us. And this morning, I just wanted to talk about, um, I guess, one of, the th- one of the verses that we looked at ages ago in the Ephesians prayer. I want to have that as sort of like the foundation of what I want to talk about today. But we've been really talking about the calling that we have. Um, lots of different callings we're called and we're chosen. And I've sort of touched on this a little bit already, and I'll, I'll touch on it again in the future. But just this whole call to be the church... All right, so just talked this morning about how, you know, we've got a prayer meeting and, and Shannon just mentioned, you know, pre-service, there's me and her most of the time. A few other people will join in every now and then and, you know, it's not a guilt thing. We never want to work in guilt things. We have a prayer meeting once a month to pray communally and I'm like, where, where is everyone? Where's the devotion to prayer? Do we really believe that the gospel has the power to transform lives today? And if we do... Do we live that out before people openly so that they can see that, that the church actually is this amazing place? And, and one of the things that I've been pondering on and then I heard a, a preacher talking about it is the, I guess, predisposition that we have um, often as, as Christians and no doubt it's happened from time past and it'll keep happening until Jesus returns is that exact thing. We're hanging out for Jesus to return, right? Because that's going to be the answer. When Jesus comes back, oh, the world all around us is terrible. Cole Stringer got up here last week. Um, that was a good message for us, wasn't it? Cole Stringer here. And he was saying, you know, we think it's bad, but what about back then when they were, you know, literally tearing you apart in the circus, you know, before the Roman Empire and um, before the people? And we're like, oh, so bad. And, and this preacher said, you know, so many Christians have this, I guess they have more faith in, in the coming of Jesus Christ than in the power of the gospel to transform the world. And that really struck me as being so true. It's like there's this withdrawing often of people from the church and from being the church because they're just hanging out waiting for Jesus to come back. You know, I'm I'm waiting for Jesus to return. I'm going to bunker down, hunker down, whatever we're going to do, you know, build my doomsday basement, stock it with food. I'm going to stay down there. Jesus will come back one day and the world won't touch me. And yet Jesus never called the church to that, did he? No, he didn't say, church, until I come back, um, just stay hiding in this room, stay here till I come back, don't spread the gospel, hide yourself away, uh, because, you know, the answer to the world is me coming back again. No, that's the judgment of the world. That's not the answer to the world. The answer to the world is believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved that the gospel should go out and Jesus commanded us as a church to go out into all the world, preach the gospel, you know, make disciples of all men, um, baptise them, um, heal them, you know, cast out demons, whatever you need to do that, 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 that you need to do to advance the gospel in the world around you because the world around them was not that great either. They were occupied by the Romans for a start back then. But sometimes we get that attitude don't we? we we sort of shrink back we're like oh yeah you know we're christians maybe i need to hide but you know god said that no one lights a, a lamp and then puts it under a bushel and he wasn't talking about you know that we light the lamp and we hide ourselves he was saying guys i've lit the church i'm not going to hide the church i'm going to lift the lid off the church and show the world what a wonderful and amazing 
blessing it is to be part of the body of Christ, to be saved, whole, set free, delivered from all these sorts of things that, that plague your life. And, and I want to shine the light. And meanwhile, the light's trying to get out and give me back that cover. I want to be covered again because I don't want to be seen. And I wonder if sometimes we are a little bit like that. I think I fall into that sometimes. You know, that whole, everything's so bad, nobody's listening, blah, blah, blah. And yet Jesus said, go into the world. And what does that mean? It means as you are going into the world, it's not like just leave everything all behind, although you may be called to that. It's as you are going. Whatever you're doing in life, carrying the message of hope with you where you are. That's our message, our message of hope. It's such, a, such an amazing privilege to do that. But I really wanted to talk about being the church today. What, what is it? We're called to be the church um, and what that might mean. So let's have a look at Ephesians. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body it is made full and complete by christ who fills all things everywhere everywhere with himself this is pretty powerful the reason that christ has been given authority and being made head of the church is so that it could benefit the church that that being in him could somehow enable us to be benefited that's pretty good, isn't it? So when we think about the authority of Christ and what it's all about, it's, it's not so he can just be the boss of the world. It's so that he can be, I guess, a benefactor towards us as Christians to say, this power is available to you and it's for your benefit. There's authority in Christ Jesus. There, there's, a, there's an amazing sense of responsibility that should be ours. And it's important for us to think about this. It's for the benefit of the church. Why? So that we can have power to be witnesses. I think Shannon just mentioned that verse this morning, didn't she? After the Holy Ghost came upon them. It was so that they could have power to be witnesses on this earth for, for the gospel. Not to be hidden away, not to be waiting for Jesus, but to be witnesses on this earth. There's a... There's a guy called Todd Wilson who, uh, this is a book that I'm sort of getting a lot of this stuff out of today. Um, the book's called More. But his job was on a nuclear, I think it was doing nuclear submarines and stuff like that, making sure that they didn't blow up, right? <laughs> Good idea. So that people wouldn't get killed and that they'd be safe and that. So they'd go on these journeys and, and they'd come back safely. One day he said that his boss, who understood the importance of showing him what it was that he was doing, took him down to the docks. And as the, as the ships were sailing away, the nuclear-powered ships and submarines, and he said, have a look at the families here. Have a look at what's happening. And he saw families, you know, saying goodbye, dad crying, mum crying, the kids missing their dad and, and all those sorts of things. And, and the boss said to him, I want you to understand something. What you do gets them back safely. That that's how important it is what you do, that they get back safely. And it changed his whole mindset of the mission. It changed radically, radically for him. And sometimes we, 
we need to just take a step back and think about our life in the scorecard of eternity. What is what I'm doing today affecting in the eternal things? Is what I'm doing today affecting eternity? And right now I would say there's people out in our life, out in society, that it's actually really vital, the mission that we have, that we step into the calling of God for our life, because there's people whose heart, God's heart is breaking for right now. There's people right now in this world that actually have an emptiness that we think their lives are full, but they're actually not. And the church has to somehow show this is different. One of the things that I've been pondering on for probably a few years is like, how do we do this as a church? How do we reach society? Obviously, we talk one-on-one. We, we share the gospel with our friends. We make sure that, you know, when people ask us the reason for our hope, we're like, it's because I'm a Christian. How come you're always so happy at work? Because Jesus is inside me. Hopefully you're happy at work. Um, and even when it's hard, you still keep going. What's going on, mate? The boss treats you badly, yet you always still obey him and you don't take revenge. What's different? There's a hope inside you. So hopefully we're doing that. But how is it that we could be attractive to people? And I don't mean like we try and do a big program and you know have the, I don't know, world record for something and get people down, which, which can be a fun thing to do, but... But shouldn't people be jealous of us? And I don't mean it in a way that, you know, oh, they've got everything. I mean, it's like they're looking at the church as a community. And this is what I'm speaking into today. How do we change that mindset of what the church is? The community that they look at it and they're like, I can't believe it. There's just marriages splitting up everywhere. How come in that church the mum and dad's still together? How come those kids don't have three dads and five mums? How come the young people there are happy and they're not trying to find their self-worth but they actually feel good about themselves? How come, you know, they get along and they, they might even have a fight but somehow they restore things, they, they build relationship? How come? What's different about that? I'd be jealous of that if I didn't have it. <laughs> How come they're so fulfilled? What is it? And I think, you know, the, the thing is that community cannot be seen in isolation. So you can see bits and pieces of it, but it's like, you know, this whole tapestry of people and lives and gifts and callings that God somehow weaves together and it weaves it together. He weaves it together in community. That is not looking for us to be loose threads that are out there, but he's calling us to somehow be bound together and that has to be bound together in the love of Christ, doesn't it? Amen. So we look at Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, and why, why are we looking at this? We want the church to be just like water that, that permeates every part of society, don't we? Nothing untouched by the love of God. And it's a game changer when we start to think that, that your p- personal calling it's part of the fullness of Jesus in our community. It's like all these different colours coming together and the fullness of God is revealed through the fullness of his people. Every person shining where they're meant to shine. There's so much potential in the church and I know that you've probably had negative experiences of the church. I definitely have. 
You've probably had bad history at times, no doubt about it. But that doesn't dent the power and the work of the Holy Spirit of a people who decide we can do this as a church, deep and alive in Christ Jesus. Coming together, living in common, taking care of one another's needs. And so this is, I guess, the verse for it, and, and we see here what happened when it, when it happened. So Acts 2, 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we see here as we, we read this, and I would really recommend that you just go through and read through Acts chapter 2 at least, that this is part of God's strategy for outreach and evangelism. The result of what was happening here in the church saw that the church was what added to daily, that, that every day people were joining this church. But when we look at it, it was nothing about you know how wonderful the strategies were that, that were chosen by the church. It wasn't about their vision statement. It wasn't about you know, their mission statement. It wasn't about the programs they ran. It was about the people saying, oh, I'm going to commit to these things. The apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, having meals in each other's home, to coming together to worship at the temple. And the word there is devoted. That, that they had made a decision that I am going to do this. I am going to do this. And God, in God's wisdom, this is the way the church is perfectly designed. It's so that, that we can have believers living in common and sharing their life so that they are doing life on life, that they are growing life on life, that the children are brought into a community that grows life on life. And it becomes more beautiful and it becomes more complete as, as the people in the church engage in the calling that God has given them. The gifts are not counted as their own, but they're counted as for the body of Christ the community at large. And it will be incomplete. Your calling will always, your personal calling will always be incomplete outside of the context of being a member of a church, a family of God. It's true you can be a Christian, absolutely. You can even pursue your personal calling as a Christian outside of a, a local church. And we know that you can be a plane still without an airport. But at some stage, there's going to be a need to land, refuel, get what you need and go out again. And it's about how do we experience God in all his fullness because each one of us carries God with us, right? Each one of us is made in the image of God, yet none of us is fully God. We understand that. But inside each one of us, inside you, is something of God that no one else carries, that, that, that reveals God to other people that when they look at you they're like that's God 
That person carries that in their life. I can see it. That's part of who God is. And this kaleidoscope of people coming together from different nationalities, nations, races, tongues, genders that are coming together and showing what the fullness of God is really like. And for us, this opportunity that we have is to actually roll up our sleeves, embrace the local church, become part of it. It's not the building. It's not that sort of thing. It's not even the organisation that's important. It's the people. What are we doing? How are we building? As the Bible says, you together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You together. And it's not buildings that have made Christianity grow. It's never been the buildings. It's this simple thing that individuals have decided that I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ wherever I am, wherever I go, and I'm going to make new disciples on the way. That, That the mindset of church growth is this, that I need to share the gospel and I need to teach people how to follow Jesus. Let's have a look at John 7 verse 38. Have we got that? Yep. Nah. Is there one before that or did I miss it? John 7, 38 and 39. I'll read it out. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not been yet given because Jesus had not entered into his glory. The point of this is that we have the rivers of living water that are meant to flow out of us to the world around us. But they are shown in their fullness through the church. And that's the the choice that we have to make. Will we be rivers of living water to flow through this society around us or are we going to hide ourselves away and become a stagnant pond of believers that, that are just waiting for Jesus to come back? Or will we separate ourselves from the channel where all these rivers join together and make a, an amazingly big river and dry up in the desert ourselves that we, like, we decide we don't want to be part of this? We're going to be our own thing. But it takes this, a group of people desperately seeking God for it to really work well. And turning all our individual contributions into this this water, this well of life that can come from a church, a group of people committed to God. That's why it's so important. I was talking with a friend during the week just about the world around us, not, not even the church. And, and I was just like, oh, isn't it interesting, you know? We, we all look around and we see different people there. You know, you might see, you know, the tradies, the builders, the, the architects, the surveyors, the geologists. Sounds like I've been drinking, but I haven't. <laughs> geologists. That's why you need to learn elocution. Is that the right word? Yes. <laughs> well done. Well, I don't even know what I was talking about. Okay, people doing stuff. And I was like, isn't it interesting how we can often separate those things? Oh, you know, tradies, we're better than, you know, the flipping architects, they do nothing, they just sit down and do nothing. You know, the surveyors, whatever. All they're doing is looking through this bit of glass. 
Uh, now they don't even have to try because it's laser and satellites and blah, blah. And the town planners, they're stupid. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. But imagine being a builder, had no idea what the strength of the concrete is that you're pouring. How deep do I have to pour it for this foundation to stand? Imagine being the architect and that everyone in the world's an architect and we all design lots of stuff. Then we design more stuff because the stuff that we just designed didn't get built and we don't have a home to live in and, and all that sort of stuff. And what if the land planners said, yeah, no worries, building that swamp. <laughs> That's all good, it's dry right now, it's dry season, right? Yep, she's good, ground's dry. <laughs> it took a whole group of people with different gifts and talents and interests to build something that would stand and last. How different is that to the church? Not at all. You see, the thing is that God actually gave all those people their gifts and talents as well because everything comes from God. It's just they're not using him for the kingdom. And then I was talking with Joe, my best friend, and we were talking about just how sometimes we take our talents and we'll use them in the world, you know, and use them for the benefit of someone else to make money or, you know, grow a business or, or whatever it might be. And I'm not saying anything's bad about that stuff. I'm saying that, but then neglect the church altogether. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. We were just sort of a little bit shocked and thinking about our own lives as well. You know, you're like, you're looking and you're judging yourself and you're like, going, there have been times when I've just said, this is my life, this is my calling, church over here. I have a talent and ability that would enhance this group of people, but I'm too busy using it to make my boss money and I've created no margin in my life for fellowship. It's, it's a... It's an interesting thought, but, you know, how, how is it that we think that we're not responsible for the body, that we're somehow, because I'm just the toe, I don't, I'm not needed. And, and so to be, become more aware of who God has made us to be, where we fit, and that is only discovered in fellowship. Do you know that most of the time your gifts are pointed out by the people? You just have to do with them and you're hanging around them and, and then someone says, man, you are so amazing. You always have these words of wisdom for people. When you're by yourself, who are you giving words of wisdom? The rock that you're sitting next to. Rock, you're so amazing. I can see your future. You are strong. <laughs> but when you're hanging around people... The gifts that God has given you suddenly come into action. Now you can use them out there. And we should be using our, our, our gifts everywhere we go, right? Because we're, we're, as we go. But what's your gift within the church? What is your strength that you give to others? What is the strength that you draw from others? Because the very same time that someone has a word of wisdom, I'm sitting in the group, and I'm needing one. And this person that has this amazing gift of wisdom opens their mouth and it's like I'm dumbstruck. I'm like, wow, that is so amazing. God has just revealed something to me about my life that I didn't and wouldn't find without you. The connection of fellowship, deep fellowship, which is what the early church had. I just want to point out again, there was no great programs. Yes, they needed programs later. They had to deal with how the widows were fed and and things like that. But the program was basically this. 
care for one another, love one another, live in a community that, that, that values fellowship, that values worship together, that values the word, that values prayer. That is when the deep sense of awe came on them. That is when people were added to their fellowship. Jesus gathered people, didn't he? You didn't see Jesus out in the desert like a, a nomad by himself all the time. There were times he retreated, yes. But imagine if Jesus had come to the earth and, you know, we, we talk about Jesus incarnate. What does that mean? It means he became man. He, he actually became part of what he came to. What if God had sent Jesus to the desert, never talked to anyone, but, you know, him and his father were having sweet fellowship out there in the desert, went to the cross, that's it. It's dead. And I remember once an Aboriginal, uh, one of the Aboriginal guys that, that's out in the Western Desert region there, just amazing. He's been there for many, many years and he, he gave a speech at one of the Baptist conferences and he was talking about sharing the gospel and he showed a painting and I, don't, I can't really explain it probably very well but they, they draw people with their, their legs sort of like that, you know, like sitting down, facing each other and had God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in heaven, Jesus come down. He sat with this group of people so the painting just had a group of the 12 disciples and him sitting down. Obviously there's more than that. And he sat down with those people and talked with them. Then Jesus died, went to heaven. Those people went and talked with another group of people. That's it. That is the gospel as simple as it is. Jesus came, he talked, he told you, this is the Father, this is the plan, he wants to save you. And he sat and talked to that group of people. They got up and went to talk to another group of people and said, hey, this is the plan. Jesus came and he was sent from the Father. He was going to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be reconciled with God. And I just want to share that with you. It, does that sound complicated? It's hard because we're in our heart we're sort of like, oh, yeah, but what will they think of me? And I'm a bit scared and nervous, which is fair. But at the same time, imagine like going back to that story about the guy with the nuclear submarines. If you actually thought, if I don't do this, if I don't do this, what's going to happen to these people? Are their lives going to be shipwrecked? Are they going to, not <laughs> Are they going to end up not being able to return home to their heavenly father? because I decided that I was a lone ranger or that I really didn't need to take Christianity seriously. It's something that we need to think about. But the good thing is that we have been given the power of God and the love of God that could be expressed amongst us. And that's one of the other things, this, that, that God's love is lived out through his people. Now I just want to, I'll just do this one more verse. I don't, I don't think I'll read the other one. Jeremiah 24, sorry, 29. Jeremiah 29, verse 4 to 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he, he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes, plant a stay. Plant gardens, eat the food they produce. 
marry and have children. Then find spouses for them that so you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. I think I was thinking about this verse and it's very much like this. You know how the Bible says that we are not citizens of this earth but of heaven? It's almost as though we're exiled down here. You know, God didn't send us from heaven down here. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes we're like, well, that's it. Let's close the doors. But I believe God says exactly the same thing to his church today. Build your homes. Plan to stay. Plant gardens. Eat the food they produce. Marry. Have children. Find spouses for them so you have grandchildren. Multiply. Church, multiply. Do not dwindle away for the, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. And very much God is calling his church to work for the prosperity and the good of this city that we're in. To, to work for it, to, to not dwindle away, not to hide, but to multiply and to pray for it. Pray for it. Because whatever happens out there will determine your prosperity, God said to the, to the Israelites as they were, were led away. Pray for your city. Pray for its prosperity. Pray for it to be successful. Pray for the programs they bring in to help the youth. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the government. Pray for it. Pray for jobs. Pray for peace. Pray for God's will, God's kingdom to come to where we are today. What an amazing blessing it is for us to be able to be involved in that so I just want to read something that um, sorry, excuse me that Todd Wilson actually wrote in his book when he looked at Acts 2 and he said you know what I look at that and I'm like is this where we are as a church So this is what he said his personal testimony often is. I confess my personal testimony of Acts 2 is all too often. They devoted themselves to vision, clarity, organisational alignment, healthy teams, geographically based small groups, great preaching, monster outreach events, massive marketing campaigns, world-class children's ministry, the best music in town, leadership development, new sites, the latest growth strategy to break the next barrier. Some of the believers came together weekly for an excellent Sunday morning show. Others opted for overbooked schedules of travel sports and long work hours to pay increasing debt, leaving no margin for living in common. With divorce, addiction, crime rates so similar to society at large, outsiders mocked the church, wondering why they should be part of something so judgmental, hypocritical and irrelevant, rather than praising God for the abundance of blessing and being the fullness of Christ in everything and in every way, Church members spent their time praying for the deliverance from the same crazy, empty lives as their outsider friends. 
When numbers were not added daily, they looked for the next silver bullet to catalyse growth and make the church more relevant. They desperately sought to do the church without being the church. Father God, I just want to thank you for your goodness. And this morning, Lord God, I just pray that you'll just work in our hearts to help us be the church and not do the church. Lord, that there will be something shift inside of us today that, that makes us hunger and cry for that same fellowship that was mentioned in Acts 2. Lord, where there was a devotion to one another and a care for one another, that, that was extraordinary. I just pray, Lord God, that over our church, that we would be those people. And Lord, that we wouldn't withdraw from each other, but we would push into fellowship that we would allow your light to shine with all its strength and all its glory in this place. And we just thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I guess we're, uh, we're going to worship again, we're going to sing again. Um, so before we do, I'd just like to offer an invitation to anyone who may not have made Jesus the Lord of their life yet. It starts right now with you believing in Jesus Christ to enter into the life of God. And if that's you this morning and just feeling a little bit funny in your stomach, you're just like, I don't know what's going on, that's God calling you and asking you to enter into the kingdom with him. If that's you this morning, I just going to pray. You pray with me and you just ask God to come into your life and um, then you have a chat with someone afterwards. I'll be here. There'll be people, there's friends that you came with family you're with you talk with them and if you don't have friend or family come and see me i'll be here after everyone's gone and if you don't want to embarrass anyone but it's actually not embarrassing to become a christian it's the best thing you'll ever do in your life um yeah so let's pray if that's you this morning you pray with me father god i'm so sorry that i have walked away from you this morning i want to make my life right with you forgive me of my sin fill me with your love I believe that Jesus died for me, that he rose again so that I might live forever and have eternal life. I thank you so much for that. And from today forward, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name.